All right, so um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are living at a really weird time, it would, it would seem. Um, like, I, I mean, in terms of world history and throughout, like, human history, it's not that weird. Like, there's unrest all the time. There's pandemics throughout history. But in terms of what we're used to as, like, modern people living in the West, living in America, like, it's just weird. It's like, there's a pandemic, and then there's not, and it's COVID, and then it's not COVID, and it's COVID again, and then it's really, really bad, and it's not so bad, and then it's really bad again, and everybody's saying all these different things. It makes my head want to explode, and then there's, like, cultural unrest, and there's political tension, and there's just a general sense of uncertainty. Like, things are just like, I don't know what's going to happen, and what about the economy, and what about my job, and what about how much it costs to fill up my gas tank, and what about, like, all of this just, just weird, like, stuff that I didn't used to think about that often before, and throughout all of it, the last couple of years, it seems, like, the question that I keep coming back to, and it's a question that um, I know a lot of you have been asking as well, because we've had conversations, and you've expressed this in one way or another, it's just a question that a lot of people have been asking is, like, what now? Like, where do, where, do we, where do we go from here? Like, what, what, what is next from this moment in time? Because it's, honestly, it's kind of hard to see past what's right now sometimes. It's like, is this just, just, just how it is? Like, is this life? What, 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 do we, what do we do next? Where are we going from here? Like, you know, big picture as, as the world, as our country, as a society. Like, what now? But even more specific, like, just in our, in our lives. More like our everyday kind of stuff. Like, what? Where do we, what, what do we do? Where do we go from here? What is the, I, I'm here right now, but what's the next thing? Like, what, what now for, for my life? Some of you are like, man, my life just feel, like, feels like it's a mess. And, and maybe that's a, a result of the last year and a half. It's like things like got, got so out of whack. And how do, I, how do I get back in a routine? Like, what do I do now? Or maybe it was, honestly, maybe it was before the last year and a half. And the last year and a half just made it worse. And you're like, man, what, what now with, like, what, like, my, my faith, like maybe like I used to have such a strong faith and I was close to God and I knew, like I, I just, I felt like I knew Jesus and, and that's just kind of gone. Like what, what do I do now? Or for some of you, maybe it's like, it's a relationship, it's your marriage and you're like, Man, Phil, if, 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 if I'm being honest, marriage just kind of, kind of sucks right now. Like things are rough. What do I do about that? Like what, wh- where are we going from here? Maybe it's not bad, maybe it's just kind of Blah. You know, you know what I'm saying? If you've, if you've been married for any length of time, they're, they're, you go through these times where things are just like, yeah, we're married and nothing's wrong, but it's just kind of like autopilot. You're like, what, 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 where do we go from here? As, as individuals and the things in our life, like what, what is next? And then as we think about coming together as, as a church, as a group of people who are trying to live out our faith together and follow Jesus, like what, what, do, what do things look like as a church? Like where do we go from here? Because like I'm, I'm not like naive, I'm not blind, I'm not, I mean I'm pretty optimistic, but that doesn't mean I'm not also realistic. I, I recognize that church feels different now, it looks different now. I recognize that there were people who were with us for like the first three years of the church that aren't here anymore. And like, I recognize that some Sundays, man, we come in, it's like, whoa, the room's full, this is awesome. There's like, and then the, the next week you're like, well, the volunteers are here. What, like, what, like, this is just, it's this weird thing that's happening. Like, wh- how do we move forward from here? And, and here's, here's the danger. Anytime we're asking like, what's now or what's next, or especially when things are really uncertain and it's like, it makes us really uncomfortable, the temptation is to answer what's now by looking at what was. Like, the, but, but the, the temptation is to, like, uh, it's to try to get to what's next by going back to what was. 
Like, I want to move into the future, and the only way to move into the future is to by going back to how things were before. I mean, like, like how, how do I, how do I, I, I want my marriage to be good how it was before, so let me, let's just get back to where we were, and let's do the exact same things. I want my faith to be what it was before, so how can I, like, transport myself back in time? I want church to be the way that it was before, so can we just do things exactly the same? I just, I want my, I want my life, I just want my, like, can, what, what did I used to do, and can I replicate that and try to just recreate the past? But the problem is, is what's now won't, won't ever be what was. Like just necessarily, it can never be what it used to be. Even though we long so often for the good old days. Like anybody here a sucker for nostalgia? I am. I love nostalgia. And usually what does it for me is music. Like I'll hear a song and I'm just like transported back into wherever I was, whatever season of life it was. Like, oh man, the good old days, the good old days, the good old days. Um, but we can't stay in the good old days forever. We've got to move past the good old days. Now, we've, I mean, when I say good old days, we're probably thinking of different time periods based on just the age of a variety of people in the room. For me, whenever I think good old days, most often I'm like transported back to like the 90s into the early 2000s, okay? Because I was a 90s kid. I was a, as a kid in the 90s, kind of an adolescent in the early 2000s. Um, you know, yesterday we remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I was in seventh grade in 2001, okay? So it's like that was my, my time period. And when I think of the good old days, like that's kind of what I get transported back to. I'm like, man, it's a summer day and I want to connect with my friends. I want to see what's going on. So you know what I do? I don't pick up my cell phone. I go to my desktop computer and I open AOL Instant Messenger, baby. That's what I do. And I open it up and I say, hey, guys, what's going on? You want to hang out? And they're like, yeah, what do you want to do? Let's walk around town because there's nothing else to do. We'll just dribble a basketball and shoot at, shoot at every hoop we can find. And then we'll go to Circle K and we'll get a 59-cent Polar Pop at 63 cents when you add the tax in. And, like, that was the good old days. And then we got our licenses. What do you want to do? There's nothing to do, so we'll drive around and we'll listen to music. And I'll pull out my CD case that's like the size of a textbook, okay? And it's just like, well, I got these, I mean, they, were, they weren't mixed tapes, because some of you remember mixed tapes. They were mixed CDs, and it's like, let's just, this would be good. Like, those are my good old days. For some of you, the good old days look like bell bottoms and perms, okay? Like, like for some of you, the, the good old days look like hair bands and really loud colors, you know, for some of you, the good old days looked like grunge, and you just had your entire wardrobe was flannel, okay? You were just, that was, that was your era. I mean, the good old days look different, but for all of us, there's something that we're like, oh, that sounds so good. That sounds, like, there's something about, I want that, but we, we, we can't go back. We can't go back. And honestly, when we really think about it, we're kind of glad we've moved, moved past the good old days. There's certain things that we miss, but there's other things that's like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I love Instant Messenger. It's fun to think about. I mean, wasn't that simpler times? Well, I love that. What I didn't love was dial-up, okay? I didn't like that when I got an Instant Messenger that any time we got a phone call, I got kicked off of Instant Messenger. So I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I'm glad we moved past that. I'm glad we moved past, you know, just landlines and only being able to make a phone call from in my house. Some of you, you, know, some, some of you, re, you know, are old enough to remember this when, you know, you'd be on the phone and your parents could, like, pick up the phone, like, get off the phone, okay? Like, because they could pick up another line in the house. Aren't you glad that doesn't happen anymore? Some of you are old enough to remember when your neighbors could pick up the phone and hear what you're saying on the phone. Like, the, the good old party line kind of thing going on. And, and we're glad that we're past that, even though we think of it somewhat fondly. I'm, I'm glad that, that I'm past like having a case full of CDs. I can pick up my phone now and have any song ever made at my fingertips. I don't have to put it in a CD player. I can just like, 
there's this thing, it's like magical, it's invisible, that the, the, the song goes from my phone, this thing called Bluetooth, into my speakers, and it just plays. I don't have to pull out the CD player, actually none of my vehicles when I was in high school had CD players, so I had a portable CD player with this thing you plugged into the headphone jack, and on the other end was a cassette, and you put the cassette into, because I had a cassette deck in my vehicles, and so you got your little portable CD player, you put the CD in, and you plug the thing, like, I'm glad I don't have to do that. And so while we love the good old days, there are, we, we know like we can't go back there, and we don't really want to, that we, when we move to what's ahead, it's actually better. Because it was moving past those days, is, if, if I'd lived in the good old days, I, I, man, like Christy wouldn't be in my life, Paisley and Braxton wouldn't be in my life, church, like this wouldn't exist. It's like, no, we know that what God has for us moving into the future is always better than going back to the past. And so... What was can't be what's now. But here, here's what, what we believe. And as we move into um, kind of fall, it's like a new season. Fall's kind of like a second new year around, you know, a, a church world. We kind of launch things, you know, groups and alpha and new ministries and sermon series and uh, community events and stuff. And kids go back to school. Uh, so as we move into a new season, and we're going to start a new series next week, but today I just wanted to hit pause and kind of answer this question, what's now? What, what does the future look like for us as people? Um, but it can't be what was. And this is an idea that actually comes up throughout Scripture. There's, there's these different times, these different encounters where God is always calling his people to look to what's ahead. That, that there is a, a call to look at God's faithfulness in the past and to remember what he's done. But it's always, it's always for, the, for the point of saying God has been faithful in the past so I know we can look to what the future has. He'll be faithful in the future. He's going to work and going to move in the future as well. And so I want to look at two passages of Scripture this morning, um, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to look at something that the prophet Isaiah um, wrote. Uh, the Old Testament prophets, which Isaiah was one, probably like the most famous one, uh, they were kind of God's spokespeople to the nation. So God would have a message for his people, uh, the Old Testament, his people, the nation of Israel, and he would use the prophets to deliver that message. And so be, usually it wasn't a very nice message because the nation of Israel would like turn their back on God and not do like the terms of the covenant. And so the, the prophets would, you know, come around and say, hey, here's what God says, you know, turn back to him and all these kind of things. But in this particular passage, God is speaking to the children of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, and he is He's actually, it's actually an encouraging passage. It's, he's reminding them of the specific things that he had done for them in the past, like the faithfulness of, of the past. And this, this idea that, hey, God has been with you. He has demonstrated his faithfulness to you. Um, there's all these victories that they recall from the past. And we're going to pick up Isaiah 43, starting in verse 16. Here's what we read. That this is what the Lord says, who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Uh, and we're going to unpack kind of what he's talking about here in a second, but who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now, what he's talking about is something very specific in the nation's history. He's talking about this, this, the exodus out of Egypt and, and going through the Red Sea. That when the, when the nation of Israel, they were, they were slaves in the land of Egypt, and God rescued them, he redeemed them, he delivered them out of the, the land of slavery and brought them into the promised land, and, and a lot of things went into that. There were all these signs and wonders of God, the plagues in Israel, or in Egypt, uh, and then the crossing of the, dead, or the Red Sea, is, and the parting of the Red Sea is what is being 
specifically described there of where the, the nation of Israel goes through on dry ground and the Egyptian army tries to come through and the waters come down uh, and, and the enemy is defeated and it's this huge victory for the nation. And this was like the central story of the people of Israel. This was their defining story. As human beings, we all like look for a story to live out of at different times, different cultures, different places. doesn't matter, religious, worldview, whatever. We're all living out of a story, sometimes like multiple different stories. Like here's, like here's the characters in the story. Here's the plot. Here's the issue. This God rescuing and redeeming and calling Israel and bringing them out of slavery in Egypt, like that was their story. That was the thing that they remembered. That was what defined who they were and who God was. And they were commanded to remember that. Every year they would celebrate by having the, the, the Passover festival, and the, this Passover meal. Every single year you have this meal of remembrance to remember how God delivered you. And so Isaiah is writing, he says, yeah, that's the God that, that I'm talking about. Do you remember? Do you remember what he has done? Do you remember the thing that defines us as a people? Remember God's past faithfulness. Remember what he did for our people in the past. And here's what this God says. Verse 18 says, forget the former things. For, for, forget all of that. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Now, it's not like don't remember, like completely, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Like, what happened in the past? I don't know. Because, they're, again, they're commanded to remember. They're commanded to, hey, remember who God is and his faithfulness and, and to follow him. And, but it's don't dwell in the past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past, but it's not so you'll live in the past. It's so you'll be confident to pursue what he has for you in the future. Don't live in the past. Remember the past, but don't reside in the past. To look back, but don't go back. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And the reason why he doesn't want them to just dwell on the past or try to say, oh, remember how good things were back when is because of what he says next. Verse 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing something new. It's, now it springs up. Do, do you not perceive it? Don't you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God is he's communicating to the nation, saying, look, I, I, I don't want you to dwell in the past because if you're constantly looking in the past, you're going to miss what I'm doing in the present. You're going to miss what I want to do in the future. I'm doing a new thing. And, and the question isn't, the God, God's saying, look, it's not, not, am I, I might do a new thing. Um, let me know when you're ready for me to do this new thing. He says, no, I am doing a new thing. The question isn't, is God doing something? The question for them and the question for us is, do you perceive it? Do you see it? Do you believe it? Are you, are you ready for God? I'm, I'm doing something. Are you ready for it? And our obvious answer is, well, yeah, heck yeah, absolutely. God, I'm ready for whatever you want to do. That sounds awesome. I want you to do a new thing. I want you to do a new thing in my life. I want you to do a new thing in my faith. I want you to do a new thing in my family. I want you to do a new thing in my marriage. I want you to do a new thing in our church. Like, yes, I'm absolutely ready for that. Bring it on Jesus. And we could, we could kind of stop the message there and be like, you know, hey, yeah, God's doing a new thing. Be ready for it. Hallelujah. Amen. See you next week. But that's not the whole picture. God is up to something, and he does want to do a new thing, but there's more to it than that. And for that, we're going to look at something that Jesus said. See, Jesus 
tells, um, tells us a parable, tells this story. He often would speak in these parables and stories. They're just made-up stories that he would use to illustrate a point, to communicate a truth about, about what God was like, about what the values of the kingdom of God were like. And so he often speaks in parables. And on one particular occasion, he's, he's, he gives this parable in response to some ways that uh, some religious leaders are challenging him. The religious leaders were often butting heads with Jesus, and there's this famous encounter where uh, Jesus is hanging out at a party with, uh, in the eyes of the religious people, he's hanging out at a party with all the wrong people. It's a, it's a party full of tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, like people that the religious leaders are like, oh, we're not getting anywhere near them. And Jesus is there hanging out, and they're like, what, what, what are you doing? And he says this famous thing, he's like, listen, it's, it's, not, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. He says, I, I've not come for righteous people. I'm, I'm here for, for sinners. He's like, I'm not, I'm not here for people who think I've got my life all together and I'm perfect and I'm wonderful. He's like, no, I'm, I'm actually here for the people who know I've got issues and I need some help. I'm here for sinners. And so he's being challenged on the company that he keeps. And then he's challenged also on this idea of fasting. And they're like, well, why, why aren't your disciples fasting the way we define fasting? And what's going on here? And Jesus gives some responses to them. And they don't really like the response. So then he gives this illustration uh, to illustrate what he's, he's talking about. This is in Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 37. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Um, now, that, that maybe is an illustration that doesn't work so well with us unless you're familiar with uh, homemade winemaking, and specifically in, you know, first century Palestine, homemade winemaking. Uh, they would hold the wine in these wineskins, and wineskins were made of animal skins, particularly like a lot of times goat skins, that would be all stitched together to be made, like to be sealed up, and they would put new wine into these wineskins. But the thing about new wine is it's, it's not done changing. It's still fermenting. It's, still, it's active. There's like, it's alive. There, there's stuff going on in there. There's something that's being produced. It's changing. Um, and and there's, there's actually a power and like an energy behind it because as it's going through this chemical process, like gases are being produced. And there's an energy behind it. And the energy of the new wine is going to try to change whatever vessel you put it into. And so as this new wine ferments, man, it's going to swell up the wineskin. It's going to change the shape. It's going to, it's going to move things around. And a new wineskin is pliable. It'll stretch. It'll grow. It will change in response to whatever the new wine is doing in it. But a wineskin that's already been used, that's already gone through that process, an old wineskin is dry, it's cracked, it's brittle. It has already reached its capacity. It has stretched as far as it can possibly stretch. And so if you put new wineskin or new wine into this old wineskin that's already at its max capacity, it'll burst. And the, the wine will be ruined and the wineskin will be ruined as well. Now, I, I mean, for me, I feel like if, if Jesus were getting up in my business and telling me this story. He probably wouldn't go with the wineskin example because I, like, I don't know that much about winemaking, but what I do love is good coffee. 
Uh, and, and when you roast coffee, fresh coffee has to off-gas as well. Maybe you know this. You're going to learn something about coffee. So if you get a good bag of fresh coffee, you'll notice it's got this little, this little hard bump like on the bag, like right towards the top. It's a vent. It's a, it's a, it only lets stuff out one way. It lets the off-gases, it lets the gases out, the carbon dioxide out, but it won't let oxygen in because if you get oxygen in your fresh coffee, it oxidizes and it gets stale, and that's just bad. That's just bad. Some of you are like, I don't know. I always drink bad coffee. I say that specifically for my dad because I'm like every time I go over there, like you want some coffee? I'm like no, no, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want because <laughs> it's old coffee. Like I just you know it, anyway. But there, there's that vent to let those gases out, and if it didn't have that vent in it, if you packed freshly roasted coffee into a, a, a container that was airtight and sealed, it would burst. And so I feel like if Jesus were telling me this story, he would say, hey, Phil, don't you know no one puts freshly roasted coffee into an airtight, unvented bag? Otherwise, the bag would swell up and burst, and the coffee beans would spill all over the floor, and then you would be very sad. And yes, I would. I would be very sad. You need new wineskins for new wine. So he says that in in verse 38. He says, no, 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 no. The new wine must be poured into new wineskins. The, the new wine has to go into a vessel that can change, that can be, be shaped differently, that can, that can take the, the energy and the gases that the new wine is going to produce. It's got to go into something that can be, be pliable with that. And Jesus gives this example, and he's talking to these religious leaders, and the idea is, he's like, hey, I'm, I am new wine. I'm bringing new wine. I'm doing something new. And you can't fit this new thing into your old ways of thinking and living. Uh, they, they had a very rigid idea of like, well, here's how we worship God. Here's how we, what we do things. And by the way, you talking to those people, that doesn't fit in our old wineskins. The, the, the idea of you, you know, how you're, gonna, you're talking about fasting and stuff in this conversation, that doesn't fit in our old wineskins. And Jesus says, I know, but I, like, I'm giving you new wine, so you need new wineskins. The, the, the way that you used to do things isn't the way that things are going to be done anymore. And as it relates to us, as we process this as a, in our individual lives and collectively as a church, as we think about, okay, well, the new thing that God wants to do, the new thing doesn't work with the old me. The new thing doesn't work with the old me. Like, God, yeah, I want you to do a new thing. But that doesn't work if I'm an old, dry, cracked wineskin. Not that I'm calling any of you old, dry, or cracked, okay? If, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm stretched to my capacity, if I'm not, if I can't grow anymore, then the new thing doesn't work. The new wine won't get poured out. Jesus won't pour new wine into an old wineskin because he knows it'll break the wineskin and it'll spill out and it'll be ruined. The new thing doesn't work with the old me. God, I want you to do a new thing, but do I? Have I considered what that actually means and said, God, I want you to do a new thing. Am I willing and ready to let the new thing happen to me and in me? Jesus finishes up the story this way in verse 38, or excuse me, 39. He says, no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. I actually really like how the uh, the New Living Translation puts this because it uses kind of language that, that we would the way we would probably say it today, or a phrase that we would use, it's a, it's a translation that's kind of like a paraphrase. So maybe not great for study, but good for, it's like, that was confusing wording. What does this mean? But here's how the, the NLT puts it. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. I mean, how often do we say, it's fine. That's like, that is like common vocabulary for most of us. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, you know, you know, the, like the, burning dog little meme, like the little cartoon, everything's on fire, and he's like, this is fine, like, it's just fine, 
It's fine. Like the, the old is fine. You know, Jesus, I don't know that I want that new stuff. The new stuff sounds great, but the new wine skin part, that sounds uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to go through with that part. I don't know if I want to have to, it feels, it feels like it might cost a little bit, but the old is fine. And it's, and it's like, okay, God, I know, like, I know that you have something better for my life. You've got something better for my faith. You've got something better for my marriage. You've got something better for my kids. You've got something better for my, my sense of purpose and why I'm, I'm here and what, what I get up to do every day and go, go through the motions. I go to work. God, I know you have something so much better for me that's new. It's a new thing and it's new wine, but the old, the, you know what? The old is just fine. It's fine. Because like that new thing, while it sounds great, the old is good enough. It's good enough. And so often we find ourselves there of just like, yeah, the old is good. And this is just a human thing, by the way. It's not a faith thing. This is like anything. We're like, no, 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 no. The old's fine. It's, it's good. It's fine. I hate it when like companies mess with my products, okay? When like so they change something that just doesn't need to be changed. Well, grocery stores, hello. Like stop it. I know where stuff was. Or just companies that like mess with my products. Like someone's just sitting in an office somewhere and he's like, they're like, hey, I've got this great idea for something that nobody wanted to change, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm talking to Apple, by the way, when they took away my headphone jack, okay? I don't, I want my headphone jack back. I don't want to have to buy the adapter and do all this stuff. Or they took away my home button. Like, come on, I want my home button. I actually had to, I like, was due to buy a new phone last year, and I bought, like, the cheaper version that still had the home button, because I'm like, no, the old is fine. The old is fine. Like, why do they do this to us? Some of you may remember this one. This might be like the most famous one. Some of you are old enough to have maybe lived through it. I'm not, because this happened in like the mid-80s, I believe, but it, it's kind of famous enough that you maybe have heard of it, even if you didn't ever actually experience it. Had, and this is like one of the biggest product failures of all time. Who has heard of New Coke? New Coke? Anybody ever hear of New Coke? Okay. Has anybody, has anybody ever drank New Coke? Okay. Coke like put all this money into advertising and marketing. It's new Coke. It's new Coke. It's better. They put new on the cans. Millions of dollars invested. And you know what people said? It's not better. Like, we don't want new Coke. The old is fine. And Coca-Cola is a smart company, and they wanted to make money. So they're like, okay, yeah, the old is fine because you'll buy the old. But so often, that's what we do. I, you know, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't want Apple to change my device because then I have to change. <laughs> I have to adapt to it. The old is fine. The old way is fine. But the challenge that we, that we bump up against then, if, if like you're a person of faith, you're a follower of Jesus, the, the challenge that we bump up against is that Jesus always gives new wine. We're like, the old is fine. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, can you give me the old? No, the old's not an option. The, 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 we want Jesus to work and to move in our lives. He's like, I'm not coming with the old stuff. I'm giving you new wine. The reason that Jesus gives new wine is because he himself is the new wine. He came to change everything. He's on the move. Like e even now, even today in our lives, he changes things. But we often meet that with, yeah, God, I want you to do a new thing, but I don't know if I'm ready for what it might cost. I don't, I, 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 it sounds so good. I mean, I, how often do we find ourselves in this position of like, I desperately want God to do something. I want my life to be different. I want my faith to be different. I want my marriage, whatever it is. Like, I just, and then the, we have that like sinking suspicion of what that might mean. And he's like, okay, you want it to be different. Here's what you need to do. And you're like, oh, but I don't want to do that. The, the question at the end of the day, it, it really isn't. Is God doing a new thing? Will God do a new thing? The question is, am I ready for it? The question really is, like, am I, 
am I the kind of vessel that can handle what he's going to do, that, that will bring myself to that point? He's doing something new. Am I ready for it? Jesus is giving new wine. He is the new wine. But am I the kind of person that is a new wineskin? Am I like... Am I the kind of container, the kind of vessel that can hold the new thing that he wants to do? Am I ready for that? Are we ready for the new thing that God wants to do? And let me just say, like, it's, it's not a process. Because or it is a process. It's not, it's not immediate. Like, we might be like, yes, I'm ready for it. Whatever God wants to do and whatever I need to change, great. And then, like, tomorrow you're like, it didn't work. What, what happened? It's a process. It's, it's a lifelong process. And I would even say that once you're, you know, oh, yay, I'm a new wineskin. Well, it's temporary. Like, you've got to continually be renewed. The, the way the Apostle Paul put, puts it, he talks over and over about, hey, put off the old self. Put on the new self. There's this process that we go through. It's like a shaping that happens. Like, we, we can't actually control, like, or force the work that God is going to do in us. Like, God is the one who works in us. But we can kind of create the conditions to be that new wineskin. To say, okay, God, I've positioned myself for you to do something, and it's a process. I mean, it's, it's a process that involves, you know, personal things in our life and prayer and scripture reading and sacrificing. It, 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 it's a process that requires these kind of corporate things where we get together and we encourage each other. Like, it, it is a process that I go through to say, like, Jesus, I want to be the kind of person that is ready for whatever you want to do in my life. And so my encouragement for us as we move into a new season is to just, as, as individuals, whatever you're going through, wherever your life is at, and it's work, and it's family, and it's faith, and it's all this different stuff, engage in the process of being made new. I, I want to encourage you to, to, starting next week, to, to make a commitment um, to being here with us, because specifically the next, next week we're starting a new series, and we're going to dive into this idea of like, what are some disciplines or habits or life rhythms that we can develop that, again, those aren't the things that, that, that cause the transformation or the new thing in our life, but those are the things that allow us to be at a place where we can receive that from God. And so I'd encourage you to be here for that as we work through that, those ideas together. But God wants to do a new thing. He is doing a new thing. Will we be ready for it? Will we be ready for it? We're going to close um, this morning with a song. Uh, and it's a song that, that really is, is a prayer. And the chorus of the song goes like this. It says, make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. It's a prayer. It's, it's a plea. Jesus, God, would you please, would you just do something in me? Would you bring new wine out of me? And it ends at that place. Like, yes, Jesus, bring this new wine out of me. But it starts with the recognition. Make me a vessel. Make me what, whatever you want me to be, whatever you need me to be. Like, I, I recognize that for you to bring that new wine out of me, I'm not the person that I need to be yet. Would you do something in me that will allow me to be that kind of a person? And so we're going to close with this song, and this song is going to be our prayer. And I would invite you to take this, this moment, this opportunity, as a chance for that to be your prayer and your plea to God this morning. No matter where you're at in life or where you're at in the faith journey, if you're at a place where you say, look, I want, God, I want you to do a new thing. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready for whatever you, you have for me. That'd be your prayer this morning. To, to make the commitment to say, okay, yes, I want the new thing, but more than just wanting the new thing that God is going to do, I am I'm ready to become that new wineskin. 
I'm ready to become that, that vessel that would allow God to do something, and I'm committing to that. Because Jesus, he, he wants to do a new thing in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your faith, in our church, in our community. But will we be the people that commit to that and say, okay, I'm in. And so as we sing this song this morning, I invite you, you, you can stand where you are, you can stay seated where you are, you can sing the song if you want to, you can just let the song be sung over you if you want. But I want to ask, if that's you, if you want to say, you know what, I, I, I want God to do a new thing in me, and I am ready to become the person that I need to be to see that happen. As we sing, just, I want to invite you to just lift your hand. It's your way of saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm in. Make me whatever you want me 